0: The Rise Up
1: Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now, here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox.
0: Hello Arizona Cardinals fans and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host Jess Root from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site covering the Arizona Cardinals. Um, this edition, this is episode 405 and it is our it is the first of two combine review uh, shows. So instead of putting together what will assuredly end up a two hour show if we did it all together, Seth Cox from RevengeOfTheBurst.com. Arizona, the Arizona Cardinal site from SB Nation, also one of the hosts of the original dra- draft breakdown podcast, is on with me as he normally is. But as we've done, now, I think this is three years running, and not even the first time this year. Uh, Justin Higdon uh, from the original draft breakdown podcast, sets co-host on that podcast over a year there, joins us again to talk the draft, the combine, and so. This you get basically if you haven't if you haven't subscribed to that podcast, original draft breakdown podcast, you get like one, you should. Two, you get a bonus episode uh, on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, because here I am and basically gonna try to drive just a little bit as as Seth and, and Justin give us all sorts of good insight about the combine prospects and and stuff like that so justin welcome to the show how you been
2: uh great i i always love this This is my favorite time of the year we get like every te- every year after the combine now we do like five shows so it's <laughs> i love speaking about all of these players because so many there are so many great performers every year so it's it, always exciting
0: and Seth and Justin, um, I believe they recorded their their post combine show uh, Monday night, and it probably it, it did it already did it already drop. And oh so, yeah, so that yep. their show has already dropped. This show will drop Wednesday. As in this edition of the show, this is our offensive prospect combine review. We will cover uh, each position group: quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, and offensive line. Um, The risers and fallers, stock up, stop, stock down, and of course, for this show, um, we have to look at it from an Arizona Cardinals uh, centric set of lenses. And so, let's go ahead and get started. Everyone, like the Cardinals, aren't drafting a quarterback. The quarterback competition, the quarterback play at the combine, the performance there. There were two names. That came up, especially, and and one in particular, uh, Bryce Young, the number one prospect in terms of quarterback, did not participate, and so everyone is sort of losing sight of of him. But C.J. Stroud, Ohio State, and then Florida's Anthony Richardson. Oh my gosh! T- let's talk about it. Have you ever seen a quarterback? Have his stock rise more than Richardson did in this combine?
1: No, we really haven't. And it's interesting because, you know, when you go to athletic comparisons for Anthony Richardson and the quarterback position, there really are none. I mean, we've seen, and, and Justin and I will talk about it, like we've seen like Cam Newton thrown out, um, Andrew Lux one that's come up a couple times, uh, even like a Dante Culpepper. But realistically, those guys still aren't as athletic as what Richardson was. You have to go to a different position to like find similar athletes to what we saw from from anthony richardson and, and it's crazy to see man it's like you're looking at guys like um leonard floyd the edge rusher who was a top <laughs> uh, like a top uh what 10 how, pick how does he cop to cam newton he's he's well he's a little smaller because yeah. newton was what two was um, like six five
0: two fifty two sixty
1: yeah, let's see, when he, he came out, he was 6'5". He's five, a two little 48. faster
0: than Cam Newton, too.
1: Yeah, and he was, I mean, he was a lot, I mean, it's relative when you're getting to this fastness. Cam was a four five six, 6", but, uh, you know, Anthony ran a four four three, 3", which is, start- uh, what about,
2: that's close to Justin Fields, but again, now he's about 20 pounds heavier than Fields. Right.
1: But the other thing was, we've never seen jumps like that from a quarterback ever in like, ever.
0: Now my question is, how much does that matter? The jumps, how much does that matter?
2: Uh, it doesn't. <laughs> it, not for it's, impress- right? it's
0: impressive, but we would it,
2: honestly, we would rather see like the shuttle times. Th- those would be more predictive, and he didn't run those. Um so yeah, like you said, jess, like it's really impressive um but i'll throw a name out there because athletically and size wise, i think a good comp for him, you know, as close as you can get is vince young, but certainly you did not have the level of success as a collegiate quarterback for. Anthony Richardson is yet for Vince young. Vince young was in a national championship game and Vince young was a Heisman contender and Anthony Richardson was not any of that. So it's almost like if Vince young would have come out after his freshman year.
1: Yeah. And it's hard to compare because um, if you go to NFL.com, they've actually done a really nice job or, or the combine results I, I don't really know how to explain to get there, but the combine results area, if you go there, they now actually provide like, not just um, like a, like a gray, but in the score breakdown by next gen stats, they have a production score. And so like, if you put Anthony Richardson's stuff in there, that's where the contrast comes in. Versus every other like elite athlete. And again, there's never been a quarterback that tested like this. So I think that's the first thing we need to understand. But when you look at his production score, he was the 11th quarterback production wise in this class. So you're, so yeah, you're taking a unicorn athlete and hoping that that production comes up to that level. Whereas You know, guys that we're talking about, Andrew Luck, Cam Newton, um, you know, Vince Young, all of these guys. They were very
0: established quarterbacks in college.
1: Correct. So,
0: Well, like Cam
2: Newton carried a team to a national championship. You know, he wasn't a great college passer, but he really took a team on his back and took them to a national championship. Luck, I don't think anybody had questions about his passing. Uh, Richardson... Look, he's got a rocket arm, but you—if you watched a combine workout, they're throwing against the air, and he's still throwing. You know, his his deep balls, his downfield balls are kind of flat. And um, when you contrast them with somebody like Stroud, who was throwing really pretty passes, and even Levis was throwing more accurate deep balls, you kind of see where that that accuracy is. A lot of people say, I told I I. Told uh, Seth this on our show uh, earlier this week. People will say like Richardson's accuracy is uh, mechanical, and mechanics can be fixed. I, how I think often they can have, be like.
0: But, how often do they get fixed between calling yeah, and the pros?
2: That's the question.
1: Yep. Well, and that's and that's the biggest thing here is you know we talked about it a little bit, and it would be obviously not ideal for us just as as cardinals fans but you know a situation like where seattle just re-signed geno smith Mm -hmm. um and then richardson can go sit for one or two years while he actually has time to work on those things the problem becomes this and and justin pointed it out you know that's probably not going to work because you have the fact that um You know, Pete Carroll's I think close to eighty now. He and (laughs) Justin. No, (laughs) I think Justin's seventy-two though. And and it's like he and Justin went to high school together, so they yeah (laughs) known each other for a long time. But (laughs) yeah, I mean, my point was: Do you want?
2: Does Pete Pete Carroll and John Schneider have kind of been like in lockstep all this time? They've worked together. Pete Carroll's in the you know in the sunset of his career. Do you spend that high first-round pick if you're Seattle? on uh, a project, uh, I, I don't even want to say project, but a quarterback of the future. If you're Pete Carroll, um, are you going along with that? Or do you want a guy that's going to help now with Geno Smith, who just set the Seahawks record for yards in a season? And I think passing touchdowns this season. Like, get a guy that can help you now. Get to the playoffs and, and try and get, uh, you know, solidify your legacy. Pete oh. Carroll's not here to develop young quarterbacks.
0: No. Now – the question that becomes for this is obviously we know that, that Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are the two quarterbacks that ultimately are 95% certain going to get picked with the first two picks of the draft. Don't discount
2: Levis to uh, Indy.
0: So the question is this, and we'll, we'll, I'll pose that for, we'll do it with Levis. What are, how likely do you think it is that Richardson and or will Levis become top five targets, because as things go right now for the Cardinals, sitting tight at number three makes sense still, because if there's two quarterbacks going, then it makes sense to stay where you're at to get the top prospect, but if you've got two other teams that want to come up and get a quarterback, even though, to me, the Will Anderson selection seems like you shouldn't think about that. Just do it. Um, will there be a trade market because there's going to be three or maybe four quarterbacks that people are going to want to go up to number three and get?
2: Yeah, I I think there definitely will be because I'll, I'll tell you this, and, and Seth and I talked about this on our show. Um, Indianapolis is at four and Houston is at two, and they're in the same division if they are keen on the same quarterback or they think they might be keen on the same quarterback, Indianapolis has to get in front of Houston. So that means either Houston has to trade up to one from two to avoid Indianapolis beating them to the punch or vice versa. Indianapolis, their GM is Chris Ballard. He is, uh, Lance Zerline is a, a friend of his, a guy who considers Chris Ballard his mentor. He said, like, or at least alluded to strongly, that Indianapolis is not going to take Bryce Young. Okay, uh, That is not the type of quarterback that Chris Ballard values as a GM. So that would insinuate that Ballard would probably value maybe C.J. Stroud, maybe Levis, maybe even Richardson. If Indy trades up to number one, uh, they're gonna they're not gonna take Bryce Young.
0: That's crazy.
2: <laughs> they're gonna take Levis or maybe Stroud. Now, don't rule out Stroud for Houston either, because or you know, or Levis, but don't rule out Stroud. I've heard people rule out Stroud because he has the same agent as Deshaun Watson. But their longtime beat reporter, John McClain, he said they're not concerned about who the agent is. Even though Stroud and Watts Deshaun Watson, have the same agent, Houston is not concerned with who the agent is. They'll work with uh, uh, David Mulligetta, even, even despite the Deshaun Watson thing. They know it's all business, and he's one of the most highly regarded agents of the business. So Houston might take Stroud, and then you might have Bryce Young still sitting there at three. Uh, if any one of those three guys and maybe even Richardson is sitting there at three, the Cardinals are in primo position to trade back. So I absolutely think it's on the table for them to trade back. And um, as Seth has pointed out, you know, with the, with a new GM, he's looking to make a splash and he can't miss this pick. Like he, he, so yeah, it seems like Will Anderson is a can't miss, but also, you can also buy yourself time by trading back and getting a collection of picks if somebody else is coming up to look for a quarterback. You can definitely buy yourself time doing that.
0: Now, obviously, other quarterbacks. Were there any other quarterbacks of note that saw their stock rise? Uh, We were talking before the show how Bryce Young's stock fell, but not because of anything he did, simply because he didn't do anything on the combine, and so C.J. Stroud's pin, his laser throws uh, were on display. Anthony Richardson's athleticism was on display. Will Levis's cannon was on display. When Bryce Young is, if you look across the quarterback prospects, is head and shoulders above these guys in terms of pr- in, in terms of quarterback play and ability and everything that you would want to see in a quarterback. Uh, did his stock actually drop or are we just are we just amazed when we see the on field drills and things will go back to the normal after after the pro day?
1: I think there's gonna be a couple concerns, obviously, and we've talked about him before. The fact that he's small at at you know, he came in about Kyler's height, but he's thin. He came in at 204. But he didn't test, and the reason he didn't test is because he doesn't weigh two hundred four. Like
2: the two hundred four is fake for him,
1: right? Like (laughs) you know, he he drank beer and ate eight cheeseburgers for three weeks to make sure that he put on enough weight to be over the two hundred pounds. So I think the thing with him is going to be you have a historically small, lean quarterback um you know guys like uh, our buddy sully uh, jinx uh billy m on twitter they've kind of talked about this it's it's not the style it's not the size it's not all you know it's not any one thing it's the combination of the fact that you have a smaller slight quarterback he doesn't have the arm that kyler does he's closer to baker arm talent wise wouldn't you say justin
2: yeah I mean, one of, one of the things I've pointed to is since 2000, you've had three quarterbacks that are six foot one and under and 210 pounds and under go in the first round. OK, so I'm expanding greatly on his build, which is five, 10, 204. Again, I'll, I'll repeat that six, one and under 210 and under three quarterbacks went in the first round that was Michael Vick, Kyler Murray, Johnny Manziel. And I don't think anyone would argue that Bryce Young is not the running threat that those three guys were. He's also not as tall uh, as as Manziel or Vick. He's not as thickly built as any of those three guys. So, uh, he's very unique. In, and, and he certainly doesn't have the arm strength that uh, at least that Vic and Kyler had. So he's very unique. Like, he's a magician on the field. There's no doubt. Like, he's very skilled. He's got great pocket awareness. But how much, um, you know, can he run? Yeah, I think he can. He showed that this year. And uh, he probably would time, you know, if he's p- at his playing weight, he's probably going to time around f- 46 in the 40 but that's just not the threat that he is and i I just think it's he's he's a very unique outlier
1: a couple quarterbacks i think that could interest the cardinals um that you would look at on day three obviously um, at this stage of things and and it's funny because a lot of them profile similarly to each other, so it makes it easy. Uh, Clayton Toon, the Houston quarterback, who had actually an excellent workout, but you know when Anthony Richardson is doing unhuman things, coming in second, being the second most athletic overall quarterback from the group doesn't really do anything but you know he came at, in at six two and a half 220 and justin and i were talking about it a little bit earlier you know the one thing we didn't get from richardson that would have you know kind of pushed his athleticism over the top is that three cone and short shuttle right that 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 short area movement tune did test that and he did really well um not just from the quarterback perspective but like all the athletes and so he was the best quarterback in 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 the three cone he was second to stetson bennett who's you know obviously we've all seen him from an athletic standpoint um you know so you look at it he he had from a three cone standpoint he was you know just behind guys like uh jalen jones the cornerback from texas a&m and and wide receivers like he's running similar to that so that's more that'll more show you pocket mobility and ability to move um he actually measured and tested out really similar to like a uh marcus mariota who you know you and i talked about off the air uh, you know a potential fit for the cardinals this <laughs> offseason so if you're looking in day three and then you
2: know it, seems it w- probably pretty favorably comparable to uh like colt mccoy right
1: yeah he's a little thicker at 220 but yeah yeah, exactly and and i think the guy that's more in the mccoy range but he didn't test poorly was jake hayner right he didn't run uh the 40 but he did jump and and run the three cone yeah Um, his
2: three cone was really good
1: and so you know, you look at it, he's six foot two oh seven. So again, a day three guy, but just kind of guys to look at. He towers wanna...
2: over Kyler, you know. Yeah,
1: I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> what is what is your opinion on the Shepherd kid, Justin?
2: <laughs> I I mean it's I'm I'm gonna be charitable here. I think he's got some skill. I mean, obviously he's um he set all the records for D2, and I think. In fact, he finished his career as the all-division college football leader in yards and maybe even passing touchdowns. But they, they got a lot of mileage both on senior bowl coverage and combine coverage by interviewing his father, who is a world champion arm wrestler. So there there's something about that. I mean, Tyson Bajant is, is the guy's name. He's 6'3", 213. Um his size is fine. His athletic testing was very good. Um, but he's jumping two divisions, right? Not he's going from division two, not FCS, not FBS, and definitely not power five. So that there's a huge learning curve here. Um, I've heard mixed reviews from people who, who saw him throw at the senior bowl. Um, to me, a guy like that is a late round player undrafted free agent tops and uh but i fully admit that i have not watched any shepherd football games this year um but it, it's just it, he's a player who typically right seth if if a guy is catching fire in these lower divisions you you hear about him before he gets that all-star game invite correct so i have a bit of skepticism about this guy his dad's certainly a dynamic TV personality, though.
0: Coming up next on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best hour Cardinals talk on the web. We spent a lot of time on quarterbacks. I don't know why we did that, but we'll move on to the next position group on offense: the running backs. That's coming up next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best hour Cardinals talk on the web. The Cardinals aren't going to be drafting the quarterback, but it obviously did affect does affect at least the top of the draft. But this position group. Is probably one we might see the Cardinals do, and that would be running back. Now, is Bijan Robinson really the only co- running back that we'll probably see taken in round one?
1: I I would think so. And while I don't agree with this take, I wouldn't be shocked to see fall is the wrong word, but I wouldn't be shocked if he wasn't taken in the top. I mean, he probably gets drafted in the first round, but I wouldn't be shocked if he like didn't go till the start of day two either.
2: I wouldn't either because if you look at him in, um, from an th- athletic standpoint, he's very good, and um, certainly the tape is great. The and pedigree a local
0: kid from here, Arizona,
2: right? Right, but I mean, if you look at and and Seth and I talked about this on our show, um, he's not Saquon Barkley. Athletically, he's not even Brees Hall. And Brees Hall went on day two last year. Now, Hall was great until he got hurt. So maybe, um, you know, somebody's going to recognize that running backs do matter and take him earlier. I think Bijan's going to go in the first round. Um, But I do think he's going to be the only running back that goes in the first round. And I think it's going to be later. I don't think – Daniel Jeremiah has been ranking him in the top five. I don't have a problem with that as a ranking. I I ranked Jonathan Taylor in my top five a couple of years ago, and he didn't go till 41. But I I think Bijan's kind of going to follow that same trail. And I don't think he's as good of a prospect as Taylor was, honestly.
0: Well, then after that, because Bijan's probably not on the table for the Cardinals, um, who are the running backs of note in this? Now, the name that came up both in the senior bowl and in the combine, at least on, on one of, uh, my NFL wire sites was Ty J Spears out of too late. Not only did he, did he thrill at the senior bowl? Uh, he was listed as one of the guys that, that helped himself at the, at the combine.
1: Yeah. I'm interested on, on Spears because he came in at five, nine, just under 510 201 pounds. He didn't run, which was surprising. Um, but he jumped and he he did really well. He thirty nine inch vert, one hundred twenty five inch broad jump, um, you know, which are really really good numbers. Broad jump does matter. Vertical and broad jump do matter for running backs in the sense of it shows some lower body explosiveness. But he did no running drills. Um, I don't think we have a real question about his quickness because we saw. Like, his change of direction ability is elite. Um, You know, but you look at it, there's not a lot of guys, and this is something we've talked about, that fit Spears in in the size category. And that's what the concern becomes when you look at, you know, like running backs taken. You're talking about a guy that, you know, maybe, you know, at 201, right, you're talking like, size wise like travis homer um i don't know if you guys I, I i mean justin remembers travis homer but he was a guy out of miami right just right
2: yeah he and, came out of miami he's been a kind of spot player for the seahawks special teams guy um the thing about spears is one of the concerns was well for one people wanted to see was he getting way over 200 he did that but um one of the other concerns was, he. I guess he's had some knee issues. And was he going to be healthy? And the fact that he didn't run the 40 or the shuttles might raise some flags there. You know, this, this is a guy coming from a group of five program. Uh, he caught a lot of fire at the Senior Bowl based off of Senior Bowl type of routes. Which, by that I mean, those type of routes that take a couple of seconds, two, three, four seconds to develop that aren't realistic when you get it in, in a game situation. So he's, he's got moves. Um, I like this guy a lot. Certainly uh, Tulane had a great season. They played USC on a New Year's Day Bowl, and uh, Spears had – he's given some of their defensive players nightmares. But there are questions here about health and about like what he can really do against top competition. I don't think he – I think he helped himself in in this uh, All Star Combine period, but I don't think there's necessarily any indication that he's going to go before day three.
1: And the like closest athletic comp for him that has been uh, a really high pick was David Wilson. You remember the guy out of Virginia Tech that the Giants took at the end of the first round in right 2012. And well, so like uh,
2: another guy I think of too is like Elijah Mitchell. Coming out of uh Louisiana
1: Lafayette. Yeah, but he, he went in the sixth or seventh round.
2: Exactly. And, but he was about this size, and he actually ran a 40 and he ran it in, in the four threes. And he still yeah. went in the sixth round.
1: So I mean, he had a great week. A couple names to to know. If the Cardinals, I would be really surprised if they went running back um in the at, like, 34, which is their second-round pick. But guys that could fit uh, – the first one's Jameer Gibbs out of uh, Alabama who, you know, quietly and, – and I say that semi-facetiously, but, like, quietly put up really good numbers. 5'9 in an eighth, just under 200 pounds, 199 pounds. But he had a really good uh, 40 and – He's a guy that we've seen can be used as like a um, every down back or a guy that can be used out of the backfield uh, quite a bit. He's he's smaller, so I don't want this to be like, oh, this is the comp. But like he is similar to what we saw with like Kenneth Walker last year. He's just about 10 pounds lighter. That's the biggest question that you have on Gibbs and it's been one of the funniest things about this entire week right is that it kind of came out that these guys are either small and super athletic or they're uh or they're not athletic. Like there was no real <laughs> in between with this group, but you do have a guy that's similar. Like I said, in, in almost all testing numbers to Kenneth Walker, except he, you know, he's come, come in about 10 pounds lighter, but here's the difference I'll say. And then obviously it it's hyperbole and guess on our part, but I think it's semi-accurate too. I don't think a lot of these guys that weigh in at like, Two two ten or two twelve, or two fifteen at running back plate. Um, I don't have a hard time seeing Gibbs playing at you know that one ninety nine. Would you, Justin?
2: Uh, no. Uh, you know, but I still think that he comes from you know Alabama, where and he transferred from Georgia Tech, by the way. But at, at every stop, he still had other backs uh, contributing with him. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah was comparing Gibbs to Jamal Charles by the end of the weekend. So if you want to go with the high end comp, there it is. Uh, Charles was about the same weight and uh, 40 time, but a couple inches taller. But you can kind of imagine that because you have the receiving ability and I think that's kind of that makes more sense uh, than the Alvin Kamara comps that we were getting before that which I think were based more on the dreadlocks than the body type. <laughs> so, uh I think it was
1: I think it was the dreadlocks but it was also the fact in the that, school, Camaro
2: well, went to Alabama
1: and, before and he, he was, went to Tennessee. He was such a great receiver.
2: Yeah. Um but I I really like Gibbs. I think if there's a second running back taken in the first round, it might be Gibbs right at the tail end but um he to me I think he's gonna go early day two, and I think it's a good spot for me he he did nothing but help himself and this is another player kind of like jameson Williams last year where it's like um you're not getting used in the way in the ideal way, but you feel very confident in your skill skill set so you go to Alabama and step right in to his starting role and and you turn to a star so.
0: Justin. I was going to ask a guy that, that comes up for me a couple of times in mock drafts, a kid out of UCLA, Zach Charbonnet.
1: That's, uh, I was actually just going to ask Justin to talk about him. Now, because he's, he's been. Well, I know the one thing. Couple of years.
0: Yeah, And but granted, UCLA has him listed at 6'1, 220. He comes in at 6'2, 14, but still runs a, a 4.5.3. So he is on the bigger side. He's not as big as, as Keontae Ingram was last year, who was ginormous playing at usc and then they got james connor who's who's another big back does he, is he the type of player who could because he caught the ball a little bit as well at ucla What well, what do you think about him
2: i'm a huge fan of uh zach charbonnet like he was one of, when we did running backs early you know in the middle of the season that was uh one of my favorite running backs. In fact, he was my running back three be- behind uh, Bijan and Jameer Gibbs. So Charbonnet comes in a little lighter than what he probably played at because I think he played in the two twenties and he, I think he wanted to run a good forty and two fourteen four five three is is just fine, especially when you look at the jumps: thirty seven inch, uh, hundred twenty two inch broad jump, which is ten feet two inches. Um, he's a younger guy, too. He, he just turned uh, 22 uh, coming out of college. So he's played four years and still just a 22-year-old guy. Um, I'm a I'm a big fan. It, he's a day-two running back for me all the way. And if those t- first two guys are off the board, uh, this is the perfect player because he is a player who can be a – you know, an every down starter or a tandem back. And so, you know, you, you don't have to, you, you can, if you're devoid of running back talent, you can bring him in. He's going to carry the load for you. Certainly UCLA did that. Um, but they, they spread the wealth with a bunch of running backs. And um, but Charbonnet was a guy, he was averaging six, seven yards a carry, even going back to his freshman year at Michigan. It was just that he fell out of favor for some reason at Michigan, they had other talented backs there. I think he got banged up and uh transferred to US UCLA and he didn't miss a bit be- miss a beat there.
1: A guy that he compares favorably to Jess is Rashad White, who's out of ASU obviously, yes. um and went third round. So like Jace kinda of talking about like he you know, you're gonna get a guy that's probably gonna go I would say top ninety ish. Um and and nobody's going to bad an eye because he's a guy that you know can do it all he he's shown durability he's got good size good athleticism good testing.
2: really good pass catcher too
1: yeah and and so so sim- like i said similar to white's a guy that can be a true three down back
0: i did not realize it x validate didn't get to the no they, combine.
1: yeah that was actually one of the bigger snubs was uh is it Xavian or Xavian? Yeah, I, I don't
0: know. Yeah. Like it's spelt like Xiziv. It, it's X. <laughs> it's X Valley. Okay. <laughs> and he didn't make
2: it. Uh, he's a little overaged prospect. Um, he'll be 24 in July, and also came in. You know, he, he. I think he was in the NFL PA Bowl, but he's a kind of taller guy, at five eleven plus, but one ninety nine. Super um,
0: productive. He was. He yeah, was... very productive.
2: But he came out of a group of five school and then only one year in power five so I think he just caught got caught up in a numbers game
1: a couple like day three guys that stood out uh the one that was kind of the big mover um literally was uh generic Prince out of Tulsa. He came in at six foot two hundred sixteen pounds and then ran a four four one um 40 so he's he you're like oh this guy can move um good solid jump numbers you know obviously when you're running that fast you're you're gonna be hard to take down anyways jay i was gonna ask you about this like maybe not a a guy that is looked at overly as as like a really good player but he kind of reminds me of Tashard Choice when he was coming out of Georgia Tech, right? Like 5'11", 215, ran a 4'48", and had a really good career. I mean, was in the league forever.
2: Yeah, one of the guys he reminded me of just from a stylistic standpoint and also from production standpoint was Chris Carson coming out of Oklahoma State. and. What you have with Daneric Prince is a faster 40, but otherwise the numbers measure up pretty well. And uh, Carson, similar to Prince, never had like that full season of like bell cow production, but it was because of being banged up or whatnot. And we saw Carson go on day three and become a really productive player, albeit for a short time. That's the type of player Tashar Choice was kind of like that, too. But that's right. the type of player that I see here with Prince. He's going to go on day three, and um he could end up being a starting running back for a couple years in the league.
1: And then the last guy would be uh Evan Hole out of Northwestern. Uh, a real
2: tryhard.
1: Yeah. <laughs> He's a guy 5'10", and an 8th, 210 pounds. Um, but he ran a 4'47", had a good vertical and broad jump he had a good three cone The 20 yard shuttle concerns me. And, and it does kind of show up in that kind of, he's a one cut and go guy, right? Like he's not, he's not a shifty guy. He's more of a downhill runner.
2: Yeah. To me, his best value is as a receiver. Uh, He had a game early this year where I I believe he got 14 passes. That's kind of his game. He's uh, to me, a third down back. And um, like I said, he's, it, it was funny watching the combine. Uh, every rep that he took in the field drills, he took all the way to the end zone. You could tell Rich Eisen was kind of getting, kind of a uh, kind of rolling his eyes about it. But um, I don't know. His Northwestern coaches probably liked it, but the combine coaches were probably kind of like, "Dude, just get back in line."
1: <laughs> his his high end comp for me and. I want this to be understood that I'm not saying he should be drafted in the similar range, but like his playing style and you mentioned it, the the fact that he's a great receiver out of the backfield or that's his best attribute. It reminds me of Joseph Adai, right, With, with, with the Colts. Now, obviously the Colts took a die in the first round and we're talking about a hole on day three, but like you look at a die, he had 40 receptions, 41 receptions, and then 51 receptions, three out of the first four years that he was in the league. Like he was never a lead back. He was a guy that like he made one pro bowl. He was obviously, it was a, not a great pick to take him in the first round, but he also was the final piece of the puzzle to help get Indy to win a Super Bowl? So it's like, can you really complain about it that much? But I was going
2: to end up with the Chiefs or the 49ers or the Eagles too, <laughs> like right. in the seventh round and, and be in, you know, rush for 500 yards. And everyone's going to be like, wow, we got to find the next Evan Hall. It's like Pacheco last year.
0: Coming up next on the Rise of C-Red podcast, the Best of our Cardinals Talk on the on the web, let's talk about the wide receiver position. A much different group this year than it was last year. That's coming up next on Rise of Sea red We're back on the Rise of C-Red podcast, the Best of our Cardinals Talk on the web. We talk about the receivers now. Last year was a special receiver class. This year, not so much. Um, Who are the names to know? It's
1: special for us, Jess, because basically (laughs) what this guarantees is that if the Cardinals do move on for DeAndre Hopkins, they could probably squeeze a first-round pick out of a team because this was one of the more disappointing groups I can remember just as far as like a group in a really long time. Like The guys that impressed are clear like – day 2 guys at best but a lot of them are are day 3 guys
0: and, and of course there will be players that come out of this draft that will be productive players but not because of the type of prospect they were
1: right and you know you look at it and it started with like you know the the guy out of Nebraska who Justin and I have talked about since he transferred there, uh, Trey Palmer, he he was six foot one ninety, and we call that Jag size, right? Like those he's are like guys every who,
2: receiver's that size.
1: Right, right just
2: a so, guy. Like yeah, Jag, just a guy.
1: And so you look at it and and then you go, okay, well, what's his trait? Well, he ran a four three three. So he's super fast. He had elite production his senior season. Um Coming. He
2: actually broke Northwest or I'm sorry Nebraska's single season receiving and receiving yards records in basically his only season there. So um you've got a guy with Jag size but exceptional production and like Seth said he runs a 433.
1: So I mean his best comp that I could come up with and again some of the, like these high-end comps end up being like first-round picks, but like Lee Evans, remember when he came out of uh, Wisconsin and then went to Buffalo and had a nice career? He was you know five eleven, one ninety-seven, and was a little bit slower at a four three nine, but that was back in two thousand four when going sub four four was actually still really impressive, right, Jay?
2: Yeah, and I I think the thing with Lee Evans too is you have some explosive jumps from him that we don't have. From Trey Palmer. We just got that 40. Um, so I'll give you a couple names too. Um, Mike Wallace. Went in a third round. Coming out of uh, Ole Miss. And had a great career. But again. He had some more explosive jumps. We don't know exactly. What yeah. Trey Palmer's jumps so are like. I'll give you Kenny Stills. Out of Oklahoma. Uh, had that 40 time. Didn't really test otherwise. Uh, Kenny Stills is my favorite comp for for Trey Palmer. Stills went fifth round, had some really productive time in the NFL and I think Trey Palmer's going to follow that trajectory.
1: Um the guys that were supposed to be the top guys, I think we can start with Jackson Smith and Jigba. He didn't run ex the 40, but he did the um the short shuttle and the three cone drills and put up what can only be described as like elite numbers, like not good numbers, you know, kind of borderline all-time level numbers.
2: He had the best of both the short shuttle and three cone of any players that participated in the combine period and coming off an injury too.
1: And so he was a guy, you know, that you look at that really – kind of impress me um it's hard to find comps because his jumps were average which is fine when you're talking about a. you know he had a real he had a above average broad jump a slightly below average vertical but he had like literally elite level uh three cone and, and short shuttle like where you rarely see those numbers um i don't do you think we're gonna get a 40 on him at all jay
2: I don't think so because um, he participated in uh, basically all the testing except for the forty. I mean, we don't really care too much about receiver bench press, but then he also did the field drills and he drew rave reviews. So he really stands nothing to gain from running a forty at this point. He's six foot one, one hundred ninety six pounds. So you look at the the testing overall six foot uh, 6.573 cone is so outstanding it's better than cooper cup who had a fantastic three cone uh the 393 short shuttle we you and i knew Seth that he was gonna run a very quick shuttle he did uh, i think 391 at the opening in in high school at about 199 pounds so about the same weight uh what you come up with is do you think he's only a slot if you think he's only a slot the testing comes out and, and the weight comes out like Julian Edelman. Although Smith and Jigba is about three inches taller.
1: The, um, a comp I came up with for him, and I'd be interested in your opinion on this uh, uh, Greg Jennings.
2: That's interesting. I think Jennings was quite a bit bigger, wasn't
1: he? No, he came in at six foot 198.
2: Oh, wow. Because uh, he, he just seemed bigger. Just look <laughs> right. at him play, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. and everyone knows that Madden clip where, you know, Gr- Greg Jennings on Madden has a broken leg and r- runs like 90 <laughs> yards full touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, another name I was going to bring up is Amari Cooper because Cooper was about 12, 13 pounds heavier, but about the same height and ran similar cone and shuttle But I think we would probably agree that Cooper was about a tenth of a second faster than what we would expect Smith and Jigba to run the 40. So if you think JSN can run, can play outside, Amari Cooper might be the comp. If you think he's strictly slot, Julian Edelman might be the comp. But now you've brought in Greg Jennings, and if you pair him with the right quarterback, he can be a star.
1: A couple of guys that. I don't want to say disappointed, but underwhelmed. Um Jalen Hyatt, you know, we talked about Jag size. That was that was him. Uh we were expecting based on the fact that he was a world class sprinter, that he was gonna give us a little more. Um, you know, six foot sub one hundred and eighty pounds, those are really uh that's small. really lean. Really lean. Yeah. And when he and does then like
0: he, he ran a four forty but which is not- great
1: yeah but it's not elite anymore right. um I, I mean that's closer to <laughs> it's paul funny richardson. to say that right <laughs> right <laughs> those are numbers like paul richardson like who went in the second yeah. round but just never panned out and a lot of it was due to injuries and inability to stay on the field Um uh, one of
2: the guys but, you and i compared to on our show is will fuller and fuller but uh, fuller ran four, three, one, four, three, two. 3 Um, But I still think they're comparable to the type of routes where they won, which was the slant and the deep ball, right? The go and the slant. And, uh, yeah, I'm not not out on Hyatt. Um, But to me, he was never the receiver one. He was more like the receiver four or five in this class.
1: And um, And that's how I
2: felt about Fuller, by the way.
1: Yeah, and Jordan Addison kind of – that was – I don't want to say bad, but it was – that was one of the most harmful combine No, but swings. I I
2: disagree, man. It's if Devontae Smith would have tested.
1: You think Smith would have been a 4 or 5 guy?
2: Yeah. That's why he didn't run. And I think he would have been lighter than 173 too. Um and Addison is is going to be a, a a good litmus test because he uh 5'11" 173 pounds, the shorter arms, under 31. But look, this guy won a Boletnikoff Award as a sophomore with Kenny Pickett as his quarterback. You know, they both had great years that year. Uh, but then he went to the Pack 12 with Lincoln Riley with Caleb Williams, and when he was healthy, he was still putting up numbers. So this is that this is that sneaky one. People are going to be down on him. I don't I don't agree with that. I think he's still a uh, a star. Is he a first-round pick? Traditionally, maybe not. But if you run the, the numbers, I'll give you a name. I'll give you guys a name. Titus Young, coming out of Boise State, right? That sounds bad because we know Titus Young flamed out. But it wasn't because of on-the-field stuff. It was because of off-the-field stuff. Uh, he was actually going to be a very good player. He had a great... Rookie year. And then um, another name that comes up, if you look at, at uh, Jordan Addison's numbers, it's Harry Douglas, who played uh, for the Falcons. So the, those don't seem like great names. But if that's your floor, which I think it is the case, you're still looking at a late first round or early second round pick in this class. A uh, uh,
1: late day two, early day three name, A.T. Perry had a he had a nice combine um came in just a shade under 6'4, which is always nice to see when those guys are listed at six four and then they come in at six three and 5'8 instead of six two and a half um justin and i appreciate that because that means we can take your your uh measurements for real when we go look at your website because most of the time these guys come in like an inch and a half shorter than what they are listed at. They
0: have their, but, their, they list their height based on when they're wearing cleats. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so six, three and five, eight, I'm six, five then. Yeah. Right. 100,
0: 198
1: pounds, but he went four, four, seven at six, four, 200 pounds. He um, had a
2: great um, post-draft season. I mean, he, right. he was at, uh, was it the shrine? Shrine yeah, bowl. He
1: was at the shrine.
2: Performed very well. Uh, measured right about the same um 447 is a great time for him the the knock on perry is that he's a little bit older than some of these guys but that's going to be the trend for the next still for the next year or two um so he'll be 24 but not till late october so not super old um
1: let me throw a comp for uh this is probably high end but it's people are gonna think it's not but what about he reminds me of Devonte Parker coming out.
2: That's a super high comp. He was a first round pick.
1: Right. But and I'm, I'm not expecting him, but I'm saying like, I, he could have a similar type career where you're talking about a guy that goes, you know, averages about 50 and, and 600 a year. Like he's a, yeah. That'd
2: be, I, I mean, I, I like Perry a lot. I would start looking at him around fourth round. Yeah. And because this is a, even though people are, crapping on this receiver class there are still a lot of really good receivers in this class and a lot of really fast ones and so perry at this at his age uh coming out of wake i would start looking at him around fourth round
1: the one guy that most people had never heard of um and then he kind of blew everything up was bryce ford wheaton uh (laughs) sixth six three and a half two hundred twenty one pounds and then he ran a four three eight with a 41 inch vertical so literally like a, a matchup jump ball nightmare
2: he gets my annual Stephen hill comp
1: oh i was gonna go i was gonna say you know i think like best case scenario would be like a martavis bryant right
2: yeah I mean, the reason I picked Stephen Hill is because he's uh that tall, that heavy, runs in the four threes and drops a lot of passes <laughs> oh, and, and, and I'll tell you, I like him. I really do. I mean, but uh, if you watch him on tape, like that's a fact. like the ball just goes right through his hands sometimes. so. In the same game, you'll see him make a dynamic play. He's really good with the back shoulder throw. Seth and I talked about him uh, extensively on uh, Drop Breakdown podcast on iTunes. But uh, you'll see some balls just go right through his hands, and and one of them turned into a game-winning pick six. It's hard to. Oh hear.
0: no! <laughs> any oh, no. In,
1: any other receivers you're curious about? No,
0: just? we'll we'll just crank keep. Keep cranking it out. All right, coming in next on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, best our Cardinals talk on the web. Let's move on to the tight end group, which Daniel Jeremiah said four could go in the first round. That's coming next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, best our Cardinals talk on the web. Uh, watching the combine, I don't normally watch the combine, but on on Sunday afternoon, I actually. Um, I actually turned on the combine and was watching some of it and then they were the tight ends were doing their work and saw some really good stuff, and Daniel Jeremiah said three maybe four would go in the first round. Okay, I get Michael Mayer, I gave Dalton Kincaid, maybe Darnell Washington with the with the workouts that he that he put up. Four tight ends in the first round. Is this a possibility?
2: It's a possibility, I, I don't... but I, I... No, I don't think so. I mean,
1: I mean it, let's start we can start with Mayor. I think I think there's gonna start being, you know, you you got your annual uh Steven Hill. I'm gonna start giving out my annual uh who is the Cowboys tied in forever? I can't remember his name now. J- Whitten.
2: Jason Witten?
1: Yeah. I'm gonna okay. start giving out my annual Jason Witten award because Mayor, you know, not to the level of of. Like a Bijan, but like he just kind of does everything fine, right? Like, is that
2: the award for guy who doesn't look like uh, a great player, but actually
0: is right? Because, well, I mean, and, my mayor's been like he's been a like a highly touted guy since his freshman year, right? Well, yeah, he, he, was, he was. I mean,
2: and, and people are acting like he sucked <laughs> this weekend, <laughs> and he was six four and a half. Almost two fifty, ran a four uh, seven, thirty half inch vert. Like but he he's didn't just blow, any, blow anyone away. But all of those are totally normal.
0: But he has every skill set right, so he right. he tests fine. He's got the right build, and if you look at his game, there's Huge no flaws. Great, it's blocker. just there's nothing special. He and I guess his special trait is that he does everything pretty well. Yeah, yeah I is, mean he didn't run a
2: four four nine after not catching any passes this year.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: and and so you know you've got that um I think the guy that kind of stole the show from everybody, including Darnell Washington, was Zach Kuntz, right?
2: Right. And nobody's talking about him in the first round. In fact, Uh, Seth, you and I talked about him as possibly emerging as, like, a day three tight end because uh, Zach Koontz was coming out of Old Dominion. Uh, He missed a good bit of this year with injury, but he showed up, and at 6'7", 255, he ran a 455 with a 40-inch vertical and a 6873 cone and a 412 short shuttle. I mean, nobody is talking about him even as a day two guy. So um, I don't know why, why are we going to force the issue? Um, And also why poo poo a guy like uh, Michael Mayer, because his testing wasn't ideal when it's just, you look at uh, TJ Hawkinson, he ran a four seven as well. I mean, yes, he had a, a better vertical jump than Michael Mayer, but it's not like he was a burner and and nobody had a problem at the time with him going in the top 10. Uh so Kuntz this guy he's a little bit older. He he's again uh he was a Penn State transfer, ends up at Old Dominion. He's going to be 24 in June. Uh didn't have the production this year because of the injuries, but a couple of years ago he had 71 catches. So this guy really good um opportunity to to get a super athletic player on uh, day three of this draft jelani woods is the player that i thought of when i looked at his athleticism and Koontz, when people draft kunst they're going to think about what jelani woods did i think he was a third round pick and ended up uh, the season with over 20 catches over 400 yards and three touchdowns for the colts and he barely played the first half of the year so um that's the kind of player I think Coons can be. Let me throw another, uh,
1: yeah. Um, Let me throw another name at you, Justin, that will bring you back. But Coons uh, kind of reminds me and tested similarly to Jordan Cameron, your former tight end.
2: Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> there was always a joke that they thought they were taking Cameron Jordan, the Saints' <laughs> defensive end, and and they actually took Jordan Cameron. But yeah, um, the former USC tight end who had a really good year i think he was a basketball player turned tight end uh, but yeah I mean if you can get a guy like that on day three you're winning uh all the
0: way I was gonna ask you Seth in terms of Cardinals since they took Trey mcBride last year and they've got Zach ertz at what point do we need to look at tight end as are, are would they go tight end even as high as day two or would it have to be a scenario where someone they absolutely loved, Happen to fall in their in their lap.
1: It would just depend on what they are expecting from Ertz in terms of a return. Um, if if not, then you know you could see a guy like maybe Sam Laporta with that third round pick, the Iowa tight end, who had a great combine, and we know those Iowa guys. They're first known for their blocking, and then they do a good job everywhere else. Um, You know, Laporta came in at 6'3", 245, ran well, um, jumped well, had good short shuttles. And, you know, we know what you get from Iowa tight ends from a blocking standpoint. Like, those are never a negative on on those guys. Um, He's a guy, you know, we mentioned Koontz on on maybe early day three, maybe with that comp pick. I think it's like 91, might sound a little early. I don't know what to make of Luke Musgrave because I just don't we've talked about him. He's older and he's been injured a lot. Um and that's always my concern, but he's got, you know, he's got a similar skill set to like Dallas Goder, who you wonder, you know, obviously the Philly coaches aren't offensive guys, but they'll still have some some say in that and you know could he be a similar weapon um but the nice thing is there's a there's a lot of depth in this uh tight end class if they want to go on you know late day two early day three if they feel like they need to um you know all those guys we mentioned obviously kind of fit and and then you can throw in like a tucker craft out of south dakota state who um Replace Goder and now is getting, you know, similar, if not slightly less buzz than him.
0: Coming up next on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, special of Cardinals talk on the web. We will wrap up this edition of the show talking about the offensive line. That's coming up next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, special of Cardinals talk on the web. The last group to talk about on offense is the offensive line. Um, Cardinals need help on the offensive line. Clearly, they have. Four starters that aren't expected to be back, Um, Calvin Beach into free agent, right tackle, Will Hernandez, free agent, right guard, Rodney Hudson expected to retire, Justin Pugh, uh, free agent, so all they have left is DJ Humphreys coming off a back injury, Josh Jones, not sure where he's going to play. Offensive line's a big deal. Who are the guys to know? Um, And uh, did you guys already have, like, uh, have you guys had your Sully show yet?
1: No, not yet. That'll be in a couple weeks.
0: Let's go. Okay. So that's a plug for the show. If you're listening, if you want to talk offensive line, you want to hear offensive line talk, uh, make sure you pe- listen to the show when, when Justin and Seth have Sully on.
1: Yeah. It's always the best show of the year. Cause it's what Justin and I know the least about. And then Sully comes in and drops names and then they all end up being good starters in the NFL. So
2: <laughs> exactly. I mean, just in recent years, we've heard him drop guys like um, Wyatt Teller, uh, Trey Smith, like just guys that that uh, you wouldn't normally think of that be, become late round or mid round picks that end up being really good. So definitely, that's one of our most popular shows every single year.
1: The this uh, offensive line class is is tough because you've got great testers who either have flaws or questions, then you have the guys that looked the part that decided that they weren't going to test right now. Um, And by that, I mean the Ohio State guys. And because, you know, they're going to wait until...
2: uh... (laughs) Hey, they they did test.
1: test And yeah, and you start with like...
2: Was one of the top testers. Paris Johnson had like 110... Inch uh broad jump and uh Dewan Jones ran uh 535 at 375 pounds.
0: What do you want from these guys? That's so big, (laughs) that's giant. Oh
2: gosh, and I mean, that that's that seems like a sucky time, 535, but when the guy weighs 374 pounds, yeah, holy cow, I mean, that's you don't want that guy bearing down on you. He's a perfect right tackle.
0: So, yeah, and- Peter Skoronski, the guy. There's Paris Johnson, Peter Skoronski. Those are the names I'm hearing near the top of the draft. Um, how are they? Is, is, is Paris Johnson a guy that's expected to be? Hey, you're going to get good play. Skoronsky obviously, it's not like at Northwestern. That that's definitely a big time. It's not a that it's a small time program of the big time programs, obviously in the Big Ten.
2: I love Skoronsky. He's actually, I live in Park Ridge, Illinois. He's actually from this neighborhood. He went to high school here. Um, so I have an affinity for him. But he, uh, he's a guard. And he's being projected by a lot of mock drafters as the top offensive tackle. He's To me, he's not an offensive tackle. He's going to be a really uh, good guard. Um, you know, Seth has talked about him and uh zach martin in the same breath and it, it and that's kind of what i expect Like think zach martin think joel batonio guys that played tackle in college but are going to move inside because they're they're not super tall they don't have long arms and they, they're they athletic but they're athletic in a guard type of way uh that's Skronsky to me paris johnson is 6'5 with 36 inch arms and runs. Uh, he didn't run at the combine, but we know from his high school testing they can run about a five, oh five forty, and um, and we know that because his weight hasn't changed that much. A lot of these guys don't test at the combine because their numbers are already out there, and that's what people don't understand. Then the, those testing numbers are out there. If their weight hasn't changed a lot, if their body type hasn't changed. They don't really have anything to prove with this testing. So, uh, Paris Johnson came out, he, uh, a nine foot two inch broad jump for a guy that weighs over 300 pounds is really impressive. Uh, and then he, uh, excelled in his on-field workouts. So I think if you're looking for an offensive tackle, Paris Johnson to me is the best one in the class. Peter Skronsky is, is maybe the best guard in the class. Or at least one of the best guards in the class.
0: What about a guy like Darnell Wright? Where does he land in everything? I
2: absolutely a first round pick to me. He's a former five star. He's six five, 330 pounds, and he ran a five oh one forty. What we don't know is his shuttle times, and that those shuttle times um, can can kind of tell you what you're looking at as far as left tackle versus right tackle, or or tackle versus guard. And admittedly, uh, Paris Johnson didn't have uh, the shuttle times either. But the thing is, if you just look at him on tape, you can tell he's quicker. uh, But Wright is, to me, a starting right tackle from day one. And at worst, he's not super, super tall. He's 6'5". If you have to, you can kick him inside to guard. And he's a mauler. He's very good. I really like him. I think he's going to go late first round.
1: Yeah, he compares pretty favorably to, like, uh, Roger Saffold, who has had a really good career, you know. And like Justin said, he's been used at at right tackle and at the guard positions. He's a guy that just, I mean, I I think he'd be a great fit at 34 if he was there. I just don't see, like Justin said, like, right getting out of the first round because there's so few guys that have what he has which is elite size very good athleticism he jumped 114 inches on the broad jump which is the 95th percentile you gotta remember we're talking about a 333 pound man Um, and
2: and to put that in other terms nine feet six inches for a guy with 333 pounds and and he's also not going to be 22 years old till August.
1: And he's got something that Justin and I like, he's got like what I think 40 plus starts.
2: Yeah. Right. It is a four year starter essentially. So I love um, three and four year starters along the offensive line, because one of the things he, that uh, people that know O line talk about is cohesion. And so you want guys that have built that, you know, built that camaraderie among their peers. And and that's why one of the things where we talked about DeWan Jones, Paris Johnson, both of those guys only started for basically two years on, on Ohio state's line. It's not a knock on them, but they lack the experience of a guy like Wright. So you're going to have to take Paris Johnson early, early in the top 15, but you could if you want to wait until uh later in the first round to get Darnell Wright and get a four year starter
0: what are set uh, if, if Justin rather your athletic red flags i know i know we ran across that yeah. a few years ago but in terms of offensive lineman what are your what of your are athletic red flags and are there does that apply to anyone that we saw in the combine this year
2: Yeah, uh, always with the offensive line, my athletic red flags are going to be if you are over eight seconds in the three cone and over five seconds in the short shuttle. It's not a death knell, but at the same time, you really just want to back off from those players. And um maybe guys are getting wise to that not and, so they and just not rest. doing it <laughs> yeah so but you have a couple this year and uh I'll give you a couple names um and I'm going to try and pronounce this one correctly but Washington Guard Henry Bunevalu yeah um he ran a 5540 but he had an 8.34 second 3 come like he really uh he actually had above average jumps But unless you're asking him to completely just block, straightforward, downhill, like he's not going to be a guy that's going to be able to pull for you. He won't get there in time. Uh, He's just simply not going to be able to do it. Um, A a current one, uh, if you look at offensive tackle Connor Galvin from Baylor, he's 6'7 and 293. So already, you know, he's very tall but also very lean. And then he has 32-inch arms, which, you know, for a tall guy, not a huge red flag, but um, then you look at his 45-48, eight-second eight three-cone, and then a 492 short shuttle. So you you don't have any agility with this guy. You don't have any straight-line speed. He actually looks and tests like a straight-up bat- basketball player, uh, but not like, uh, a score got a shot blocker. Like he can jump, he's tall, but he can't move. And I think that's problematic. I think Connor Galvin's probably kind of tested himself out of consideration. If you're, if you're asking me to draft too, too tall and skinny, his arms are too short. He can't run. He can't move laterally. All I can do is jump and that's not really going to do anything for me on uh on the offensive line i don't know where to put him he's too tall for guard he's too tall and thin for guard he's not quick enough footed for right tackle or left tackle so i just don't know what to do with him
0: a couple of names that to, of note he won a guard steve avila at a, a tcu i've seen him connect to the cardinals and mark drafts just where they fall and then obviously the center position is going to be super important for the cardinals they tried to draft two different centers last year they they would have gotten Linderbaum had they not traded for Hollywood. They wanted Cam Jurgens. He got swiped away in the second round by the Eagles. Um, Rodney Hudson's out the door. Who are the centers worth looking at? I know John Michael Schmitz is getting the attention. Um, is there anyone else center-wise and guard-wise that the Cardinals should be looking at?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, you mentioned John Michael Schmitz. He's a guy that tested where he needed to be wasn't elite by any means but like you get a john sullivan comp from him so like you know sullivan was a a decade plus starter for the minnesota vikings um you know in the nfl so he was you know uh, that's a good comp uh luke whipler out of ohio state had a really good um numbers i think the biggest knock on him as he came in at 303, which is, you know, eh. but I it's probably, fine. The, it's yeah, fine it's for a center. I mean, I, I think the he, biggest he goes is small probably,
2: center, um, right. but like every athletic test that he ran was either above average or like his three cone was just average, but he had the best short shuttle of any center and uh, a 30 plus inch vert. I mean, Whippler's and Whippler's super young. He's only going to be 21 in May.
1: And he's a guy that's uh to to that point is a center only like, you know, three. Like oh, said, yeah,
2: for sure. 303,
1: 303 31 and five, eighths inch arm. So, yeah, you know, six,
2: three. <laughs> he's made to play center.
1: Right. So six, three with baby arms. So he's got to play center. But he's got, again, you've got good comps on him. A uh, guy that the Cardinals had to deal and with. and he,
2: Also, he's a redshirt sophomore. He started both years.
1: And, and so he's got some really good comps like Chris uh, Spencer. I don't know if you remember him. Uh, yes, but he was with the Seahawks forever. Um, and I think started, uh, yeah, six years in Seattle, started for the Bears, started for the Titans. So like, you know, a guy that was in, oh, and he was a first round pick. Holy cow, I didn't realize that. Um, you know, and. So, so you're it,
2: saying Luke Wepler is a first round pick. Perfect. Correct.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know, the center position's good. Um, there are questions on, on a couple of these guys uh, at, at guard that you have to watch out for too. Like we talked about it a little bit. Osiris Torrance, he came in at six five three thirty, five330 And like he got a four, eight, one short shuttle, but his like explosive testing numbers were really and I get it. I He's mean.
2: a pure road grader. Right. Like
1: you're you're drafting him and you're, you, you you're cannot fool with
2: this guy. Yeah. You're it's pure downhill with him.
1: So you know there's a lot there's a lot of question marks, but I think the the overall consensus is there's in those first 91 picks, which the Cardinals have four of as of right now, um, there's a really good chance to add two or, you know, one or two starters on the offensive line, whether it be interior or um, if they want to go with a right tackle.
2: And if you're looking for guard, too, um, the Cardinals are going to have cho- choices on day three because, yeah, you got John Gaines, the second from UCLA. <clears throat> who uh, was one of the best testers of any offensive lineman, a three-year starter guy who's played at guard, center, and tackle. He's probably going to be, still be there on day three. He got Cody Mock uh, out of North Dakota State. I, some people are listening to him at tackle. I think he's going to be a guard long-term. And um, another good tester, a guy who uh, famously has no two front teeth, but um, also a guy who's already 20 three years old, or I guess 24 years old, Uh, so I think he he might drop, but although we saw the Patriots take Cole Strange at 24 out of the FCS uh, in the first round last year, but uh, Braden Daniels from Utah, out your guy's way, um, I think Daniel Jeremiah was still touting him as a tackle, but he's 6'4", 294, very average uh, size across the board, but very high-end athleticism, and I think even Jeremiah, who said give him a shot at tackle, said his best shot's at guard. And uh, that, to me, he's a a guy who's going to help day three.
0: Anybody else of note among the linemen, uh, either rising or falling in terms of the combine?
1: No, I think Blake Freeland's a name to remember from BYU, but he's going to have to... He's gonna have to put on some weight. He was you know, he's six eight, three oh two, but he had uh, record setting jump numbers and moved well in the three cone and short shuttle. Um but like three oh two was really light. They not feed those guys when they go on their mission, Jess.
0: On, <laughs> Depends on where they go. <laughs> Depends on where they go. <laughs> So, but
1: i mean he's he's a guy we just don't see guys that size i mean we just don't i mean we really don't see guys that are 6 8 and barely crack 300 pounds it's it's a really i mean usually if they are you're talking like eric armstead right
0: yeah yeah I, and and at that size you almost say hey trim down play tight end right exactly <laughs> All right, with that, with that, that wraps up the offensive edition of the Combine Show of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast, best of Cardinals Talk on the Web. We've wrapped up the talk of the offensive prospects. On our next show, we will go over the defense. We have big thanks to Justin Higdon as always. That's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Root. We'll be back again in a couple days with the Defensive Prospects. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals Talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red.